My thoughts are not your thoughts, and neither are your ways mine. In Isaiah 55, 11, two verses later, he says, So shall my word be that goes forth out of my mouth. It will not return unto me void, but it will accomplish what I have sent it forth to do. No matter what we're going through today, his promises are still yes and amen. And it is still the God that we come to worship together. Father, we ask you that by your Holy Spirit that your presence be here, that you may be worshipped and glorified.
Good morning. Welcome to everyone here in the sanctuary this morning and all those are listening on Facebook and watching on Facebook Live, listening on the radio. What a glorious morning it is here at the church and outside. We have just a few announcements this morning. First of all, today is All Saints Day. We will serve Lord's Supper at the end of the service today. There are many things in the bulletin, so please take a chance to read them and take those that pertain to you to heart. And one last thing is I want to congratulate the girls' volleyball team and wish them good luck this next week in Dayton. If you would, please join me as we start our worship with the call to worship. Uh, And please stand. Today's call to worship is taken from the book of Psalm, chapter 42. As the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, my God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When can I go and meet with God? My tears have been my food day and night, while people say to me all day long, Where is your God? These things I remember as I pour out my soul. How I used to go to the house of God, under the protection of the Mighty One, with shouts of joy and praise among the festal throng. With my, my soul are you downcast. Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will praise Him, my Savior and my God. My soul is downcast within me, therefore I will remember you from the land of the Jordan, from the heights of Hermon, from Mount Mizar. Deep calls to deep in the roars of your waterfalls. All your waves and breakers have swept over me. By day the Lord directs his love. At night his song is with me. A prayer to the God of my life. I say to God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? Why must you go about mourning, oppressed by the enemy? My bones suffer mortal agony as my foes taunt me, saying to me all day long, where is your God? Why, my soul, are you downcast? Why does it serve within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. We will continue to stand and sing our praise song, Promises and Great is Thy Faithfulness.
Now we'd invite all the children to come forward to children's chat with Pastor Tori. Good morning. How are you? Wow, so many of you. I love it. Love it. I love it. Come on down. Got a few more coming in. We'll wait on. Did I hear it's your birthday? Happy birthday. All right. Did you know that when you were born, you were given something very, very special? Does anybody know what that is? It's your name. Your name is special, right? Represents who you are. And your parents gave you that. How many of you have nicknames? What are your nicknames? My. Huh? My. My. Anybody else want to share their nickname? I don't have one. You don't have one? Laney. Laney. Yep. Anyone else? Jojo. Jojo. Yep. So you guys have your your birth name, right? And then you have nicknames that sometimes your parents call you. Some people call you Lee. (laughs) Well... Jesus was given a name before he was born, right? He was God's son, and many months before he was born, God told told Joseph and Mary to name him Jesus. And Jesus means the Lord saves. And his name was important because Jesus was sent by God to save us from our sins, right? But Jesus has a lot of other names, too. He has one that's my favorite, and it's Emmanuel. And Emmanuel means God with us. And that's my favorite because it reminds me that I'm never alone, right? When I have Jesus with me, when I have God in my heart, God is always, always with me because Jesus was sent to this world to be God with us. He went through everything that we experienced. He knows all of our emotions. He knows what we go through because he is God with us. And so Jesus is with us in the good times when we've had a really, really good week and maybe school's going really well and you're really excited for something. But Jesus is also with us in the hard times too. And there's going to be times in our life when things are hard and you might get scary or difficult. And, you know, sometimes when that happens, we get a feeling in our stomach where something's just not right and we're kind of worried. Um, but, you know, it's true is that no matter what, Jesus is always with us. He will never change, and he will always be with us. And God promised us that, too, and it's right here in Scripture. It's in Deuteronomy 31.8. He says, The Lord himself goes before you and will be with you. He will never leave you or forsake you. Do not be afraid and do not be discouraged. So because Scripture, we believe Scripture is true, right, and God's promises are true, we can trust that no matter what we face, whether it's a good week or a really, really bad week, or we're just struggling, that God is always with us. Let's say a quick prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, that you are with us, that you sent your Son to be Emmanuel, God, with us, and that you are with us on the good, in the good times and in the bad times, Lord. And we can trust that no matter what, as long as we have you in our hearts, that you will never leave us and never forsake us. We love you, and we thank you for all that you are and all that you do. Amen. Amen. Thanks, Tori. Thanks, kids. You guys can head back to your seats.
It's the time in the service when we turn our attention towards the offering. Our offering this morning goes to support the general fund here at First Church in New Knoxville to continue the ministry that we're able to do here. So we encourage you to give as you feel led to give today. Uh, for those that are listening on the radio or watching online, there's and even those that are here in the sanctuary, there's always the option to give online through our website, firstchurchnk.org as well. Uh, we're very thankful to have Kay with us this morning to offer up our offertory music on the organ. I invite the deacons to come forward to collect the offering at this time.
Amen. I invite you to be seated. As Dave mentioned at the start of our service today, today is All Saints Sunday. It's the day we remember those that have gone before us to be with the Lord. As you all know, this week our community is reminded just how short life can be and how precious it is. But no matter how old or young, how sudden or expected a death can be, it's always sad, always tragic. And so we welcome those that are here today, the families of those who have lost loved ones through the course of this past year. We're glad that you're here with us today. We pray that our service today will be a source of comfort and strength to you during this time. All Saints Day is a day of remembrance established by the church to remember all the faithful brothers and sisters in Christ who've departed from this life and have gone to be with the Lord. At First Church, we celebrate All Saints Day by reading the names of those who passed away during the past year. There are white carnations on the altar in their memory, and we invite family members who are here today to take one after the service is over. It's also an opportunity for us to reflect on God's forgiveness and his salvation. We're reminded in God's word that we mourn not as those who have no hope, but who believe that Jesus Christ died and rose again and will bring with him those who've fallen asleep in him. We are saved in Christ and in him alone. And not only do we give thanks and celebrate the memory of our loved ones, we also give thanks to God for his salvation that's made possible in Christ through his death and his resurrection. Jesus went before us into death in order to conquer death. And he goes before us into eternal life, to open eternal life to all who believe in his name. So not only do we reflect on our loved ones and what God has done in order to save us, we also look forward to the eternal home that God has made available to us through Christ. Our future home in him with glory. A promise that's been made possible because of who Jesus is and what he's done for us. In Revelation chapter 7 verses 9 through 10, John writes, After this I looked up and and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count. And from every nation and tribe and people and language, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, they were wearing white robes and were holding palm branches in their hands. And they cried out in a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God. So let us, get, let us give thanks this day for these brothers and sisters in Christ whom God has granted rest from their labors. Carolyn Sue Lehman. Ruth W. Cook. Waveline Upperman. Marilyn B. Cook, Dorothy R. Egan, Geneva Judy Holscher, and Ryan M. Logaman. Let's pray. Almighty God, who holds in your hand the souls of the righteous, We give thanks and praise for all the generations of the faithful who have served you in godliness and love and who dwell forever now in your presence. We bless you for all who have enriched the world through truth and beauty, who have labored in the service of their fellows 
and devoted themselves to you and your church. We bless you for all near and dear to us, for our fathers and mothers, our brothers and sisters, for those who have helped and defended and loved and cherished us. Grant that all the good we have seen and known in them may continue to inspire and guide us, that we may always love them and hold on to their memory. That when we have fulfilled our time on earth, that we may have a part with them in your heavenly kingdom. Lord, as we gather here today, we're reminded of the shortness of life. We're also reminded of our own needs as we gather here in this place too. So as we are reminded, Lord, of the hope we have in you, of our eternal home in heaven, we ask that it is those promises and that hope that that sustains and strengthens us now as we face our own challenges this day. We pray you be with these families as they gather here. May you comfort and guide them. May your spirit be present now in this place and as we go from here. Holy Spirit, may you bring comfort and peace like only you can. And Lord, we also acknowledge that there are others who are hurting. There are others that are struggling for a variety of reasons. And though we may not know what those reasons are, we acknowledge, Lord, them. We acknowledge those concerns before you today. We ask for your strength where it's needed. We ask for your provision. We ask for your guidance. And Lord, in all things, we ask for you to be glorified, even on our hardest days. May we, Lord, like the psalmist says in Psalm 42, may we put our hope in you. May we yet praise you, our Savior and our God, even on our hardest days. We pray these things all in the name of Jesus, who taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Scripture reading this morning is from Psalm 34, verse 18. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. Thank you. I needed to pick a longer scripture reading because I don't have time to switch over my, my notes on my iPad here. Just give me just a moment. Uh. Oh, that's why I have a backup here. Let's get this, the hard copy out. Let's pray together. Lord God, we thank you for this day. Even on days like today, Lord, we come before you and praise your name. Lord, as we gather here and and those, Lord, that are here in this place and listening on the radio and watching on Facebook, we ask for your presence now as we turn to your word. May it be a source of hope 
and comfort and truth for us. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. So we are going to be taking a break uh, from our sermon series here that we've been working on through the faith statement. Um, Without everything that's transpired this week, um, and given that it is All Saints Day as well, um, I knew there would be a lot of people here, including myself, that are hurting, struggling a little bit with what uh, what has transpired. For those of you who, who knew Ryan, of course, but also those that maybe weren't connected directly with Ryan, a tragedy like this just forces you to confront some questions that, that rattle around in our heads, right? And one of the things that I've been thinking about this week is how the, that human words fall short at times like this, right? There's nothing I could stand up here and hit say to, to our church family, to our community that can take away the pain of loss, right? That can take away the grief and the questions that often, you know, rattle around in our heads during times like this. And that's true for this situation, but it's also true for, for every family who's, who had a loved one that passed away over this past year, right? Time, time passes, but that loss doesn't necessarily lessen either. And so I was trying to, I was praying a lot and trying to kind of come up with what, what could I possibly say? What could Pastor Joel say? Um, during a time like this. And I realize there's really nothing I could say. Because human words do fall short. Which led me to what we're going to be talking about today. And it's not what do I have to say. But what does God say to those who are suffering? Right? When we are going through difficult times. When we are experiencing loss and grief and pain. We don't need to hear what human beings have to say. We need to hear a word from the Lord. Right? We need to hear what God says to those who are suffering, who are going through pain. And so many of you, many of us are experiencing the pain of loss this week, but this go, these words are true no matter what kind of suffering you are going through, no matter what kind of pain you're experiencing. Know that God, I believe God says these things to us, no matter what situation it is, no matter what we're going through. And so I want to hear, I want, I want to encourage you to hear what I believe God is saying to us in the midst of our suffering. And the first thing he says to us is, I hear you. He says, I hear you. The testimony throughout scripture is that God hears us in our, hears our prayers. He hears us in the midst of our suffering. He is aware of the troubles that we face. And and among the many passages we can look at, I want to draw your attention to Exodus chapter 2 and 3. This is the story of God's people that... Uh, coming from the end of Genesis to the start of Exodus, a lot of time has passed. They entered Egypt as a family, right? And they, they, they settled there. And over the course of several hundred years, they grew from one family to a large nation. And those people ended up oppressed and in slavery, serving the new Pharaoh. And in Exodus chapter 22, or excuse me, Exodus chapter 2, verses 23 through 24, It says, during that long period, the king of Egypt died. The Israelites groaned in their slavery and cried out in their cry for help because of their slavery went up to God. God heard their groaning, Jacob, 
So God looked on the Israelites and was concerned for them. And so in chapter 3, we see God calling Moses and speaking to him through the burning bush. And such a very familiar story to us. And in verse 7 of that chapter, he says, The Lord said, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I have heard their crying out because of their slave drivers, and I am concerned for their suffering. The first thing we need to know, we need to hear today, is that God hears us in our pain. God hears us in the midst of of our suffering. And he responds, right? He doesn't just hear us, but he responds to it. He was concerned for them. And so he sent Moses to help rescue them. Oftentimes people who are hurting, they just want to be heard, right? They want to know that someone is listening to them. We don't need all the answers, although that would be nice. But we also realize that in the midst of our pain, all the answers in the world seem inadequate, right? All of, the, all of the answers that someone may give us for why we're experiencing what we're experiencing seem flat. But what we do need, what we do want to know is that someone hears us and sees us in the midst of our pain. And that's exactly what God does. That's what God promises to us in the midst of our suffering. And so this reminds us to pray. Right. He says, I hear you. So the invitation that he makes to us is to pray to him, to to lift up our cries to him. Our confidence that God hears us in our prayer, excuse me, hears us in our pain, leads us to call out to him in prayer. And we can have confidence that he hears us in the midst of it. In Hebrews chapter 10 Verses 19 through 23, the author writes this. He says, therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way open for us through the curtain that is his body. And since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with the full assurance that faith brings, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. And let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. See, look, we have confidence that we can draw near to God, that we can enter into his presence, not of our own accord, right? But because of who Jesus is and what he's done for us. We've been saved, we've been redeemed, and so therefore we can enter into God's presence in prayer and know that he hears us. There's a reference here to the the most holy place in this curtain. And that's a reference to the temple itself in in Jesus' day. Right There was a temple in Jerusalem where God's people would go to worship. And in the very center of the temple was a room called the most holy place. It was a room where, where, where they believed God's presence was especially felt. God was especially present there in the most holy place. And there was a curtain that separated the most holy place from the rest of the temple. And no one was allowed to enter that that room. Only the high priest and only on one very special day of the year. But something significant happened when Jesus died. In Matthew chapter 28, excuse me, chapter 27, it says that the moment that Jesus died on the cross, the curtain in the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. The curtain was torn. You know what that means for us? 
It means that through Jesus' death, because he died in our place, the curtain that separated us from God's presence is no more. That through Jesus, through relationship with him, we can have access to the presence of God. And we can know we can lift up our prayers and that he hears us. And so it encourages us to lament with hope. We trust that God is big enough to handle our grief, our anger, our doubts. And we can come to him and pray to him. And we know that he hears us. So today I want to encourage you to allow your pain and your grief, whatever you're experiencing, whatever hardships you're going through, allow those things to bring you to God, not draw you away from him. So we, hear, we know that in the midst of our suffering, God says to us, I hear you. But he also says to us, I am with you. And Isaiah 43 says, but now this is what the sovereign Lord says. He who created you, Jacob, he who formed you, Israel, do not fear for I have redeemed you. I have summoned you by name. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And when you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze for I am the Lord, your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. I give Egypt for your ransom, Cush and Siba in your stead. Since you are precious, since you are precious and honored in my sight, and because I love you, I will give people in exchange for you, nations in exchange for your life. Do not be afraid, for I am with you. I will bring your children from the east and gather you from the west. I will say to the north, give them up, and to the south, do not hold them back. Bring my sons from afar and my daughters from the ends of the earth. Everyone who is called by my name, whom I created for my glory, whom I formed and made. God promises us in the midst of our suffering and our pain that he says, I am with you. It reminds us of his presence. It reminds us that God does not abandon us in our time of need. In fact, he's the one that carries us through it. In the book of Daniel in chapter 3, there's a story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Great Sunday school story, right? I'm sure our Sunday school teachers all know that one. These three people were, were found, and they were, they were exiles in Babylon, and, and the king created this giant golden statue and ordered everyone to bow down and worship it. Except these three refused. They refused to bow down and worship this, this giant golden idol. And so it was brought, it was brought to the king's attention that these three were disobeying his orders. And so they were brought before the king and the king said, you have to do this or I'm going to throw you in a furnace. You're going to be burned alive if you don't worship this idol. And in Daniel 3, 16 through 19, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to him and say, King Nebuchadnezzar, you do not need to, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to deliver us from it, and he will deliver us from your majesty's hand. But even if he does not, we want you to know, your majesty, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold you've set up. So the king does it again, and they refuse again to bow down and worship, and they are thrown into the furnace. And as the king looks in, he doesn't see just three people standing there in the fire. There's four. A fourth figure that the, 
the scripture says looks like a son of man, looks like an angel there with them. And they're not harmed, not even the clothes on their body are singed. God rescued them from that because God was with them through it. But here's what I want you to know, too. For those that are hurting and and suffering today, you ask, well, why didn't God save me in my pain? Where was God when I was suffering that loss? God is still with you. God is right there with you, even in the midst of the pain. Psalm 46 one says, God is our refuge and strength and ever-present help in trouble. We don't need a refuge. We don't need help in trouble unless we're experiencing suffering and pain and our hardship. In Psalm 23.4, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for thou art with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Right? David's hope wasn't in that God would remove his pain. David's hope wasn't in that, that everything would be good from that point forward. The hope that David had was that even on his hardest days, even in the valley of the shadow of death, God was with him, walking with him through it. It's the ministry of God's presence with us. There's something significant about just being there for someone when they're hurting. So it happened Monday night when we opened up the ministry center for people and dozens and dozens of people came Simply to be prayed for and to pray with people. Sometimes people just need someone to be there for them, to listen. Someone to just sit there and with them in their suffering. Think of when my kids are, are hurt, right? They fall down and they, they scrape their knee, right? They just want their mom and dad to hold them. Right? They just want someone to, to be there and hold them through their hurt. And that's exactly what God does for us. He gives us His Holy Spirit, our helper, our advocate, our comforter. But He doesn't just say He's going to be with us. He says He's going to suffer with us too. In the person of Jesus Christ, God sends, God Himself enters into our pain. He enters into our experience. Jesus understands what it means to suffer. Right? We worship a God that isn't far off, that isn't immune to suffering and pain. We worship a God who entered into it himself. Jesus understands what it means to suffer. He experienced the full range of, of what it means to be human with one exception, right? He didn't sin. But Jesus wept at the grave of a dear friend, Lazarus. He was betrayed by one of his closest friends in Judas. Jesus knew what it meant to be hungry and thirsty, He experienced the joy of family and friends, and he also understood what it meant to be misunderstood by them, those same family and friends. He suffered injustice. He was physically beaten and ridiculed and publicly shamed and murdered. He was so anxious and worried about what what he was going to experience on the cross that he literally sweat blood in the Garden of Gethsemane. Jesus is present with us in our pain. Do you ever feel like no one understands your pain? No one understands what you're going through? Jesus does. Have you ever wished that someone could take, that you could talk to someone who has, who has gone through exactly what you've been through? You can talk to Jesus. See, here's the thing. He did it for us. Right? Jesus experienced all of that willingly. He chose to suffer all of that for you and for me. And he suffered in order to redeem our pain. 
In Genesis 50, 20, Joseph, confronting his brothers who had, who had beaten him, sold him into slavery, assumed he was dead and gone. Joseph confronted once again with his brothers and he told them this, you intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. See, when God, we believe that God can bring good out of even the worst situations, right? That doesn't mean the suffering itself is good, right? There's nothing good about the suffering. There's nothing good about death. There's nothing good about the pain of loss. But God can bring good out of a situation that is otherwise anything but good. And we know that nothing, not even our suffering, can separate us from the love of God that is in Jesus. Because He is present in our pain. So I encourage you to draw near to Him. Cling to Him. Hold on to the promises of His Word. And believe that they are true, even when they don't feel true. That He is present with us, even when He feels distant. And that God's Word is true and His promises are sure, even on our worst days. We're going to do something a little different here now. I still have a little bit more to say, but we're going to take a moment and praise God and worship him in response to, to what he's already said to us so far. So I want to invite Sharon and the, the singers to come back up and we're going to sing a, a hymn, Near My God to Thee. And it's a reminder of, of the things that we just talked about, that God hears us in our pain, that God is with us in our suffering. And that he suffers with us. He is present in our pain. So I invite you, if you're able, and you'd like to stand, we're going to sing. Uh, it's number 393 in your hymnals. We're going to sing the first two verses of Near My God to Thee. I invite you to stand with us and sing that.
Thank you. You may be seated. We need to know that God is with us, that God hears us. But we also need to know that that's not the end of the story either. We praise God that he is with us in our pain, that he hears our prayers. But the last thing that God says to us in our suffering, he says, I have overcome. In John sixteen thirty three, Jesus tells his disciples, I've told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart, for I have overcome the world. Jesus doesn't promise that life will be easy if we follow him. He doesn't promise that to make all of our problems go away. And there are plenty of people out there that will try to sell you that. But it's just not true. If anything, Jesus promises us the opposite here. He promises us that, that we will have trouble. We will experience pain. We will experience suffering because Jesus knew that we live in a broken world affected by the reality of sin. Our sin and the sin of others, right? We still live in that reality. So as long as that is still true, we're going to experience suffering. We're going to experience loss. But that's not the end of the story. Yes, we will have trouble, but fear not, for he has overcome the world. Dory ends is in Jesus embracing our suffering, embracing our shame, and taking it all to the cross on our behalf. He died for our sins, and he was raised to life for our justification. The way that Jesus overcomes our suffering, the way that Jesus overcomes the world and the brokenness that we experience here is by giving himself up for us. He died and he lives again so that we can have confidence that all who trust in Christ will have eternal life as well. You see, when Jesus died on the cross, he didn't just, I mean, he died for our sins. He took our shame. He took the penalty we deserve. But in that moment, in that sacrifice, it was victory too. Because Jesus not only conquered sin, he conquered death as well. In Revelation chapter 1, verses 17 through 18 Jesus is speaking to the Apostle John. He says, do not be afraid. I am the first and the last. I am the living one. I was dead. And now look, I am alive forever and ever. And I hold the keys of death and Hades. He was dead. And now look, he is alive again forever and ever. At the end of the book of Revelation, at the scene of the final judgment, as all people stand before the Lord to... Their names are written in the book of life. God promises that death itself will be cast into the fire. That death itself will be cast into hell at the final judgment. And then we get this beautiful picture of Revelation 21. And I want to read that for us now. Revelation 21 verses 1 through 7. After the final judgment, after, after sin and Satan and death itself is destroyed, John sees this, a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down from out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, look, God's dwelling place is now among the people. He will dwell with them. They will be his people and God himself will be with them and be their God. 
He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. And he who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. Then he said, write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. He said to me, it is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. And to the thirsty I will give water without cost from the spring of the water of life. Those who are victorious will inherit all of this, and I will be their God, and they will be my children. See, that's the hope that we cling to on days like today. The hope of eternal life in Christ. That through His death and His resurrection, He can say to us, I have overcome. And He invites us to know and experience that victory in Him. That one day all sin and the effects of sin will be gone. That God will set everything wrong right again. That there'll be no more weeping or crying or mourning or pain. That God Himself will wipe away our tears. Just picture that for a moment. In your grief and in your sorrow and your pain, God is saying, I'm going to wipe away your tears. Just a moment, I'm going to invite you forward to take communion together. When we take communion, it's a a reminder of that hope we have in Christ. Communion invites us to look backwards and forwards. We look back at the victory that was won at the cross. We look back at, at how Jesus took our sin and our shame and our guilt and died there in our place. He died the death we deserve so that we could receive the life that he earned. And so we look back with and confess and repent from our sins. But we also look forward. We look forward to our heavenly home. We look forward to the hope that we have in Christ. That this life is not all there is. That death does not have the final say. That when we too lay our lives aside, we'll close our eyes here and wake up in the presence of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. That's the hope that we have. That's the victory that Jesus won for us on the cross. Let's pray together. Father God, we thank you for this day. We thank you, Lord Jesus, that you won the victory for us. And that in the midst of our suffering and our pain, you tell us that you hear us, that you are present with us in our pain. And ultimately, Lord, you give us the promise that you have overcome so that we do not suffer like the rest of mankind who have no hope, but we trust in you, Lord, for our salvation. And so as we prepare our hearts and our minds for, for the Lord's Supper today, we, we acknowledge, Lord, that we need you, that we are sinners in need of a Savior, that none of us have earned a place in your family, but that through Christ and his death and his resurrection, you welcome us into your family through grace received by faith. And we also look forward to, Lord, the hope of eternal life, That as we take this bread and take this cup, we're reminded not just of what you've done for us in the past, but what you will do for us in the future. That when our time comes, you'll welcome us into your kingdom, into your loving arms. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. As I said, in just a moment, I'm going to invite you forward. We are going to receive communion at the altar this morning, um, as we've done done in the past. We'll invite you to... um, Come down the side aisles. There'll be a station on each side of the table. 
You can receive the elements and then take those back to your seat and, and take them as, as you are ready to do so. Um, so come down the side aisles and, and, and return down the center aisle. There will also be two elders with the trays. If you are unable to come forward for any reason and still like to receive communion, they'll be happy to bring communion to you at your seat. So they'll be coming around the sanctuary um, and just let them know that you'd like to receive communion as well. Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians 11, I've received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread, and when he given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Whenever you drink it, do so in remembrance of me. For whenever you drink this cup, eat this bread, and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. And so I invite all you who have received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior to take this holy sacrament to your comfort.
we close our service, I invite you to stand and sing number 202 with us, which is Amazing Grace.
you pray with me? Father God, we thank you for this day. We thank you for your grace, which carries us through our good days and our bad days, and will carry us through into eternal life in you. We pray your Holy Spirit would be with us now as we go, and to strengthen us and equip us to live for you each day. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. Now may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. Amen.